okay, we did the hard stuff in 2020. Mm. We're literally calling this year our comeback and it's your comeback as well. Like, what are you creating out of this? Because we proved to ourselves that we can do hard things, we can get through hard times, but what story do you want to be telling now and in the next year or two? Welcome, everybody, to The Chris Harder Show, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success, knowing that when good people like you make good money, they can then do great things. My name is Chris Harder, and several times per week, I will bring you epic guests, solo episodes, and every single tool, trick, and skill set you need to grow your business, grow your money mindset, and to grow your wealth to levels that you have never reached before. I've ended up in a unique place in life where I've got the experience, the connections, and all of the secrets that it takes to be successful. And I'm lifting the curtain to reveal it all to you in an effort to help put you in a position of abundance so great that you can then be as generous as possible. So let's lock arms and let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Chris Harder Show, where we absolutely have two beliefs. Number one, that generosity. And number two, that prosperity can go hand in hand, absolutely must and absolutely should. And I'm sitting down with someone today who totally represents that in life. One of our dearest friends ever, the Lindsay Schwartz. Now, if you guys don't know of Lindsay, you're about to absolutely fall in love with her. She's one of my wife's best friends. Uh, As couples, we're dear friends with Lindsay and her husband. She is the best-selling author of Powerhouse Woman. She's a creator of the Powerhouse Women event and community. Now, this is like a huge women's entrepreneurial and connection event that happens every single year. She's the creator of Six Figure School, which you've probably heard about. She's an expert connector. She's an investor in startups. She's literally just an overall success badass. And she is going to help every single person listening, especially women, like find that inner fire and get to that next level. Now, she's not only just one of our dear friends, and and we're going to talk about like how that came about, but we're really going to do a deep dive together on all things events. Like, listen, if if you're wondering if in-person events are back, we're going to answer that for you with some real data, some real evidence. We're also going to talk about what the future of hosting events looks like, how to create and sell out an event of your own if you want to do it, how to make it profitable, like where to put your money, how to sell the tickets, how to scale the budget. This is the end-all be-all episode for you finally creating an event and getting it off the ground. Lindsay was in our elite mastermind, and we worked a lot on putting together how she not only launches her event, but also her six-figure school. And if you want to apply to be in the 2022 class, yes, five months away, I'm already collecting applications. Go to chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind. Now, this is the elite mastermind, and it's first come, first serve in terms of the order we go through the applications. And every year, half the people renew. So there's not that many spots each year. So you don't want to wait. You want to get your applications in early, even though we won't fill it till December, starting next year. So if you make more than $500,000 a year, then I want you to go check it out and apply at chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind. Again, that's chrisharder.me forward slash mastermind. All your questions are answered there. Click apply, fill out the application that puts you higher in line than those who do it after you. So get ready, because if you've ever wanted to host your own profitable event, Lindsay is about to tell you exactly how.
Lindsay freaking Schwartz. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? I now want to be only introduced that way. That I like is my that. new middle be. name. You kind of deserve that. Listen, is this your first time on the show? Well, Lori and I did a show together before Event Love. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So this is your first solo time on the first show. First solo. Mm-hmm. That feels like it took way too, like it's way overdue. Well, here I am. This is a perfect well, time. You know what? I, I got a quick lesson for people. You know, you spend your entire time creating relationships and, and getting people on your show and all these things by thinking, who's a great fit for the show? Who's out there? Who's this? Who's that? And then you always overlook your closest friends that are sitting right in front of you the entire time. Isn't that funny how we do that? I'm literally at your house twice a week. Yeah, Literally right. twice a week. We should clarify <laughs> to run with Lori every single yes, morning. Yes, exactly. Yes. So if you guys don't know, uh, Lindsay Schwartz is the everything on connecting women and the everything on throwing events. And that's exactly what we're going to take a deep dive on today is, is there a place for getting together again in events in 2021? And what is going to be the preferred method of people wanting to connect out there? So let's take a quick step back. How in the world did you end up being the person that everyone thinks of when it comes to connecting women and putting on events? Yeah, such a great question. I We were talking about this on our run this morning, Lori and I, that it, it kind of happened by accident. I think I was one of those entrepreneurs that always knew I was meant for more, started in network marketing. That's where we all connected and just had this vision to show women that they didn't have it all, need to have it all together to get started. It started with my book called Powerhouse Woman. And quite literally, the only reason I did an event was my publisher said, you should do a book launch event. I self-published. It was like a hybrid self-publish. And I was like, well, the only way that sounds fun for me is if we get women in a room and we have conversations that are in the book about like, you know, no one has it all together. Like when was the last time you ugly cried? This person I look up to on Instagram. And so that was the very first powerhouse women event. And I never even meant to make it an annual thing, but this is kind of, I think how a lot of businesses start. And when you know you're onto something, it's when your people go, okay, great. When's, when's the next one? How can I get more? And that was how it all started back in 2017. Okay. Wait, talk people through this. You had your first one. It was really just a way to get the book out there. You did not plan for it to be an Mm -hmm. annual event. When did it become, oh shit, I need to plan another one. Was it in Mm -hmm. the event? So it was, it became very clear to me because number one, I started small. I started with a half day event. That was what my mind could even fathom. I hired a spin instructor as my event planner. I literally duct taped this thing together in like, if people could have seen behind the scenes, it was not pretty. It was not glamorous small budget. But then people said, gosh, I wish the day were longer. I would have stayed for the full day. Or when is the next one? And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, no. Because I I had another business at that time. I was building like a pretty big network marketing team. So I wasn't planning for this to become a big thing. So when did you say, oh, okay, fine. You win. I'm putting on another one. Yeah. I think it was, I remember in February, the following year, finally saying, okay, we're going to do this again. I miss it. I really loved doing it. And that was actually the year that Lori came and spoke for us. Mm -hmm. And from that point on, I remember so clearly standing on stage, that was 2018, going, oh, this is a thing. I need to take this seriously. I hadn't even registered an LLC for the business at that point. It was still, I was fighting it because I thought, no, I've got this other business. This is going well. While Meanwhile, there was this other big, I think I was intimidated because I could tell how big it was, yeah. the vision that was calling me forward. Talk more about that. Because I think a lot of people, uh, some call it a fear of success. Some just call it like, I'm afraid of, of you know having to tackle this thing. When you were afraid of how big you saw this really was meant to be, what made you still move forward? And was there any point where you almost didn't? 
Yeah. So the fear came from, I had a good thing going, a good source of income, felt super comfortable. Why mess it up? No guarantee of income because we were doing events and they would, we were, uh, we were in the red the first year. We lost a little bit of money, like a thousand bucks. Year two, we broke even, mm-hmm. which for an event and having no background in events, that, that was pretty, pretty good. good yeah. um, and then we started to, to turn a profit, but the event was all that I offered. So I, I'll never forget even the second year realizing women needed more accountability between the annual events. And I, I launched, I put it, the idea together two weeks before the event and launched a membership just because I was like, well, they want something yeah. here. Let's try this. So I was really just, creating based on what the community wanted, but there was still no guarantee of income. That was the biggest fear. But there was just something I couldn't deny. I could tell there was really something there. And I would always, I would always question what if, if I didn't lean in. Oh, that's a, that's a really powerful tool. Yeah, I'm afraid to do it. Yeah, I'm afraid of disruption. Yeah, I'm afraid it may not work out. But what's the downside if I don't do it? Because there's things to be afraid of by not taking action as well. Yep. And for a lot of people, the answer is, well, my life would look like it is right now. And so, you know, you don't want to continue to have the exact same life on Groundhog's Day over and over again. That's why you got to shake it up. That's why you have to move through the fear and do the event or write the book or whatever it is that's calling you. So I want to talk about events a little bit more because I mean this as the greatest compliment in the world. You outsell your audience. What I mean by that is, from the outside looking in, I don't even know what your Instagram is, but you don't have 500,000 followers. You don't have a 1 million person email. You don't have any of these things, but you put together a four or 500 person event of all women and you crush it. So how in the world do you, how do you sell this many tickets and outsell your audience? It's my favorite question ever because, and here's why I love that this is my story. For those of you listening who have smaller audiences, make that your reason why you're going to do it. Because no one can come to me and say, oh, I don't have a big enough audience to do this. I didn't have much of an audience at all when we launched the book or the first couple of events. Didn't even start an Instagram account for the brand until 2018. And here's here's the difference. We get lazy. We think social media is just going to be this immediate funnel. You can never take your eye off of actually connecting. Like, do people know you actually care about them? So we have this motto. It actually didn't come into these words until this year within our team. We call it the Taylor Swift effect. And I'm sure no one has talked about this on your show, but it's this this obsession with how do we make the community feel small? So you look at someone like a Taylor Swift, she's got a global massive audience, but you you watch her see individual people. She'll show up at someone's wedding. She'll send individual Christmas gifts. It's like we obsess over how do we make sure that our community knows we see them even though like now the community the the community is thousands of women yeah. worldwide but you know it's as simple as answering a dm if someone is sending me a dm saying i love the podcast instead of just double tapping it with a heart sending a voice message so it's those little things Tiny compounded little over something time. extra probably an extra 5 seconds per response yeah that's powerful that is exactly how you outsell your audience no matter what it is you want to sell fill an event sell a course doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you would give that I'm going to call it the extra five seconds. If you'd give it that extra five seconds of a voice response instead of a double tap, that slowly creates that smaller sense of what'd you call it? The Taylor Swift the effect. The Taylor Swift effect <laughs> of, of family, of being yeah, seen. Yeah. You use the word of being seen. Mm-hmm. And I think if you make your audience feel seen, then they will become 
raving consumers of your yeah. content and, and of your products. I think the other piece is, and we even did the training for Fast Foundations on this, is realizing if you don't have a big audience, then focus on community. I think the two are different. Audience is all about you. It's how many people are following me. Community is how can I get them to connect with each other? Because then they want to invite their friends. Damn, that's good. That, I, okay, I haven't heard it put that way. Audience is how many people can I get to, to follow me? Community is how many people can I get to connect with each other? Because then they're going to stick around. That's retention. That's a sense of belonging. That's what everybody seeks. And then they invite other people into that. Yeah. Even filling, I will never forget filling that first event because my even my audience at that point was following me for health and fitness. That was what I built a brand on. And I knew I probably didn't know a hundred women to fill a room with, but I sat down one day and it just occurred to me. I was like, duh, I just need to know 20 who will each invite five of their friends. And that's literally how we've built this whole brand is how do we get our community so bought in that they're like, oh, you're not a part of Powerhouse Women. You've got to get in here. And that that's how you leverage whatever size audience or community you have. It's caring first because people aren't going to share it if they don't feel that emotional connection, but they feel like it's theirs. It's not mine. You know, what's been the biggest mistake you've made when you've been putting on your event over the years? Is there something you could spare somebody else from making? Oh God, yes. This is probably, I'm like being in your mastermind and knowing your your mentorship, not hiring a team, not having support, which is ironic because our motto is you're not meant to do business or life alone. But I, I have, I've either for a lack of like a lack financial mindset, thinking I didn't have the money to hire or the pride of like, no, no one can do it better than me. Things have never took off until I realized I really needed that support around me. Which one was it? Which one held you back more? The fear of spending the money on help or the pride of no one can do it as good as me? I would say I thought it was the money until I got really honest that I didn't trust anyone to do it to do it the same way I would. And then I was, I would even like make that sound cute in, yeah. instead of telling the truth by saying, well, you know, if, if my heart and my influence isn't in it, people will be able to tell. No, that's bullshit. Like yeah. I now have a team who honestly, I think loves the community even more than me or like right there. And so people feel that now it's a magnification of, it's not just my heart going into everything. We literally exchange Voxer messages, like in tears, like, I can't believe we get to do this for a job. But it was the pride that that then I would use the excuse of, oh, we're not there yet financially. I can do this myself for a little longer. Yeah. So when did that curve cross each other? Let me explain this better. When did you start hiring? And when did it become profitable? Did they intersect somewhere? So I, and, and this is, I think, important to know too, for those of you that are like, well, I'm not ready to jump in and hire someone full-time. I've worked for the last, I, I started hiring out, especially help for the event right away. So I hired an event planner. I knew, I knew that there were things I just wasn't good at. And that is a strength that I have. I'm really honest about the things I suck at and I will hire someone right away and just get out of their way. So event elements, I've worked with contractors for a really long time made my first full-time hire in the beginning of 2020. And that was a game changer because now I'm actually in the role of CEO of the business. It's not just this cute little passion project. I'm actually now forward thinking 90% of my time. And then I have the team that's taking the ideas and implementing them. When can someone expect their event to be profitable? I think there's two types of rumors mm -hmm. around events out there. There's mm -hmm. the rumor that oh, events are a waste of time and money. You'll never make a profit on them, but at least it's good for branding. That's rumor number one. Mm -hmm. Rumor number two 
is, oh my God, I'm going to create an event and put 200 people at $500 each and make $100,000. It's going to be so easy. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's the real truth? When, they sh- when should they expect to make a profit on their event? Yeah, I think you go in planning for profit day one. Why wouldn't you? And it, it depends. Like if you're like, it's the same as looking at any marketing channel. If you have something that's like a loss leader, you're like, well, I'm going to like take a loss on this because I know I'm going to sell a program or a mastermind. Well, great. Then you look at that as the overall picture. But uh, that was the mistake I made year one. And then I, I caught it and changed it year two was I didn't go in planning to profit. I went in planning to break even, which you're always, you're always going to have expenses you don't see or things that come up that you didn't budget for, or you're going to sell less tickets than you thought you could. So go in with like, and how I structure my budget. And this is for those of you that are really kind of doing this. Maybe you don't have a huge team and a huge budget right away is I would have these like, okay, this would be really cool to have. Maybe it's like an amazing, like the next level, amazing stage. Once I hit this ticket sales goal, then I can add that to the budget. So I literally take it and just break it down with what's, what actually matters. Like, my community wants to connect with each other. Yes, the the like aesthetics are important because that's my branding for next year. But what actually matters, what's going to produce the transformation, that's what I build the core budget on. And then adding in all the little extras that are really fun as I hit different ticket sales goals because I'm also just like a really goal-driven yeah. person. So it's like, ooh, when I sell... 10 more, I get to like spring for that. Yes. And that's helped me like really stay accountable to making sure that I'm planning to profit from the beginning. I've never heard of somebody present uh, putting their event on that way. I've always just heard people say, go real cheap and, you know, make the the people the centerpiece. And I've heard other people go, uh, you know, build the best stage and best activations possible. And Mm -hmm. I've never heard someone say, here's the core of what will make it a successful event. And here's all the bonuses I would like to have. And I'm not going to spend money on them until I bring in certain numbers of tickets. It's, it's brilliant. It's genius that way. Because that way you mm-hmm. kind of can't lose. Yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to also think, like, why are you doing this in the first place? Like, there's mm-hmm. so many different types of events. And this is something big that Lori and I taught at Event Love. Like, it, it really doesn't matter you know, you have to know going in why you're doing it in the first place and then build it out to support that goal. So are you doing an event to sell a program? Well, that's going to be a different thing than if it's like building it to launch your product or launch your brand. And so in the beginning, we just knew, I I also am a firm believer that not knowing how something should go is often your biggest asset. There were people who told me things are supposed to cost a certain amount. And I don't know if it's like being from the Midwest. Like I'm really good at balling on a budget. And like a stage costs how much? It's Midwest muscle. It's one of the muscles we built. And so I think also just being willing to get scrappy really rely on relationships. I'm, and you know this about me, I'm really great at enrolling people into a vision so that they want to be a part of it. And therefore I get stuff paid for, or Mm -hmm. I get stuff donated because I really paint the vision of what we're doing and how it's beneficial to their brand to be a part of it. So I think so so many times people just want to throw money at things when if you're willing to get really scrappy, this is anything in your business, you can do it for so much less than you think. I'm so curious. Um, the first time that you came home and said, hey, I want to put on big events to Elliot. And for those listening, Elliot is her husband, a dear friend of mine. What did he say? Was he like, you're out of your mind? Or like, yeah, whatever, babe, let's do it. He's always a, yeah, whatever. Actually, you want to know what he actually said yeah. was, can I wear a security shirt? <laughs> That's such an Elliot response. It's, it was like his one life dream to play security at an event. And so, you know, in marriage, you just choose your battles. So I bet that was literally the first response. It Not was. like, yeah, babe, cool. I, I bet it was, 
can I wear a security shirt? It's more like, I know you're doing this with or without me. So can I, can this also fulfill a life goal that I have, which is to be a security guard? You, um, <laughs> you're, you know, you're fortunate that Elliot is so supportive and Elliot is fortunate that you're so supportive. Not everybody has that. And I know you work with a lot of women that mm-hmm. don't necessarily have that. How do you enroll your significant other, man or woman? How do you enroll your significant other into something as crazy as, hey, I want to throw an event. I want to have a few hundred women. I want to spend this money. Please trust me. We have had to learn the hard way. And I know you guys have had your own, you've shared really honestly about this too, what's important to the other person. So I, when I'm in a dreaming mode, when I come home and I'm got, I've got that idea, like that fire in my belly, if the first thing out of his mind is the coming from a safety security, well, let's break this down. And like, do we actually have the budget for that? It's like the fastest way to take the wind out of my yeah, sails. It feels like they don't believe in your dream. Which I, and luckily for us, we've done a lot of personal development personally, like individually and together to learn how to say, okay, I didn't love how that response came through. So initially it was, I had to realize what's important to him and come to him with a plan. Same thing when I did my first mastermind, I said, look, I want to invest 15 grand Mm -hmm. that we don't technically maybe have sitting in just like this little, like fund. But I said, I want to show you my business plan for what I'm going to turn that into. And I did the same thing with the event. It was, here's how much I think it's going to cost, maybe a little bit more, but I want to show you my vision for what I see this will do and all he needed to see. And so if you're maybe the, the more visionary partner, which Elliot's totally a visionary too, he just is, I think it comes from like that wanting to provide for the family, make sure we're safe. And as long as he knows I'm going into it with a plan and he's like welcomed into that conversation. So I think that's number one. And number two is, okay, so it would be easy for people to see it's this business called Powerhouse Women. Where does someone like Elliot fit in? Yeah. He's He is a part of every decision we make. So from day one, just having him realize even to the level of he for the longest time and even still has a full-time like nine to five job that he mm-hmm. does love. And- every opportunity I get to acknowledge him for the fact that because he's been willing to have that sense of stability for our family, we've been able to take bigger risks. So it's, you know, I think my ego wanted to be like, look at this company I built. It could have been easy for me to do that, but I'm better with him by my side. So if you feel that your partner isn't enrolled, are you enrolling them? Are you helping them see even how them working their job or them taking care of the kids is allowing you to build this. And that's important. So I I picked up like three tips if I had to break that down to three tips. The first one was, don't be attached to a certain response from your partner when you share the idea Mm -hmm. because their brain works differently. Maybe they're coming from a place of how do I keep us safe and secure or you know who knows what. So don't expect this raving response right away. And because your expectation isn't met, you know, start a big fight over it. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Uh, Number two um, was show them you have a plan. That's what I heard in there is like, well, look, I've got a plan. Here's a budget. Here's how I think I'm going to get this many people. Because when somebody, there's a difference between I have an idea and I have a plan. And I have a plan is easier for your partner to wrap their their support around. And then the third thing was enroll them along the way. You're right, Elliot. And I wish everyone could see him um, to picture him trying to fit in at a powerhouse women (laughs) event, right? Like he's this this massive guy that maybe wears a shirt 10% of the time. And just wants to lift weights all the time. And, I, and that's what I love about them. And so imagine that fitting into Powerhouse Women, but you have carved out a role to enroll him in the vision and make him feel important along the way. And that's crucial. 
instead of like, all right, bye, babe. I'm over here doing my thing. So mm-hmm. those are three really good tips. Now I want to talk about a time when it didn't work out so well. And hell, that's for all of us. 2020, you had powerhouse women planned. You had tickets sold. You had your venue booked. You had all the things. And like anybody else with plans in 2020, it got flipped upside down on his head. How did you handle that specifically when it came to your event? Such a great question. And I have to acknowledge you and being in your mastermind for that year was the thing that I didn't know I was really going to need. This is why I'm always in a mastermind or some kind of support structure because that year, I remember feeling like, oh no, what what do we do? And I'll never forget the call. You had us all hop on a call, everyone in the mastermind. And you really just kind of painted this vision of like, this can either be the greatest opportunity or the greatest disaster that's ever happened. And it just, you know, I'm a really, you and I share this, we're like really positive. I'm always going to look for the, for the positivity, but it, being able to borrow someone else's belief and realize that my community, that's all they wanted was like me to, in a really uncertain time, just be certain about something. And so we just went back to like the core of our brand is you're not meant to do this alone. I'm like, none of us know what's happening. You're not doing this alone. And immediately jumped into what can we do? So no idea what's happening with events. I mean, I remember even you and I talking Maybe an event can still happen in September. Remember how cute we were yep, yep. <laughs> thinking maybe by September, this well, will blow we over. Told, we were told we're going to stay home for two weeks. Yes, right? Coming so, up on two years. The whole time just saying, well, we can still show up for our people. So we hosted these free Zoom calls similar to like what you did. And the community grew immensely last year. And so I started to just sense, okay, we still need to do something. It feels like admitting defeat if we don't do anything. But I also knew that it wasn't going to be just like, hey, everybody hop on Zoom. So we rented out a full video studio. I mean, we essentially produced our own TV show as a virtual event. And here's the cool thing. This is what it taught me. And if you're willing to look for the opportunity within something that looks like a challenge, 10 out of 10 times, you're going to find it. I did not realize to the extent that we had actually started to grow a global community with our podcast. And never did I ever consider live streaming our in-person event because I had it like this, this is just an experience you have to be in the room to get. And 2020 gave us the opportunity to test out a live stream that we never would have done otherwise. We had our biggest event ever, over a thousand women from Ghana, Africa, India, South Africa. And I sat there going, oh my goodness, I've been leaving people out this whole time. That's so this what a realization, year, by the way, right? And I think this is the this is the the thing that we can all learn from this. I actually think events going forward, since you didn't ask, but here's my prediction. <laughs> well, it was going to be my next question. So right, in person hybrid, yeah, with also making it virtually available. It's like the same thing. Like I think the workforce is changing. Not everyone's going to want to go back to work. Not everyone's going to want to go back to actual like in person events. And I think there's enough people and we're already seeing it with ticket sales for 2021 who do, but thinking bigger than just the four walls of a venue that you can host it in. I actually think that's the future, future of events. I I would agree with you. I call it the Peloton model. Do do Mm, you remember mm -hmm. when Peloton, you'd see like 20 people kind of in the camera riding and then there'd be a million people at home riding. That's what I think events are are really going to become now because I think people have been divided into two camps and who knows how long this will last, but people who've been really scarred with fear and they're like, there ain't no way I'm going to sit with 500 women shoulder to shoulder. And then other half of the world that is like, 
uh, I'm ready to go hug, kiss, touch, <laughs> do all the exercises, you name it. Because it's a different kind of event. Chris. A different kind of event. Because I am sick and tired of staring yeah. at my Zoom screen. And mm-hmm. so I think we're going to have to accommodate both types of individuals moving forward for at least the next few years. Yep. But what are you seeing, right? Because now you've launched Powerhouse Women event. It's coming up in September? Yes. September what? September 10th and 11th. September 10th and 11th of 2021. Um, What are you seeing for the temperature of people wanting to return to in-person events? We are trending so far ahead of where ticket sales would normally be. And people Say that coming again, from this is evidence right here. And here's the other thing: our room block, meaning people are coming for their traveling. Our room block, we've already like had to increase tenfold. Whoa! So unpack that because traveling. before, like, mm-hmm. what percentage were local and what percentage traveled? And this, I think, is also a testament to we've invested over the last two years since our last in-person event to growing, you know, through our podcast and other channels, uh, an event or a community beyond just Phoenix. Yeah. So, uh, I would imagine that we're going to have even close to 30, 40% be from out of town, even from Canada, places that technically, yeah. I don't even think they can leave, but they're coming. <laughs> they don't know how they're going to get <laughs> back in. They're finding a way. But they're willing to leave. Mm-hmm. So it's been really a testament to how ready people are, or at least that there's a portion of people who are really ready. And there's they're pent so up ready. demand. Mm-hmm. So um, your event this year, you anticipate it'll be your biggest one yet? It will be. Mm-hmm. And it's here in Scottsdale. Yep. What should people know about it? Yeah. It's really for the woman who just knows you're meant for more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get the question a lot, do I have to have a business? And, and it's not just for those who have a business. In fact, this is a great place to go, especially if you're the only one in your circle who dreams really big and, and is really ambitious. And you kind of feel like you're that person in your friend group who other people are like, wow, don't you have enough already? Yeah. You have to. It is vital for you to put yourself around others who are thinking even bigger than you, who will support you. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have the business that I have today. And so it's a place where women can come and find women like that, you know, really create the connections that are going to be, and I love how you always say, you you never know anything you need could be in that room Mm -hmm. or one or two introductions away. So it really is powerful. And I think we just need, we need that opportunity to come back together and to remember that like, okay, we did the hard stuff in 2020. Mm -hmm. We're literally calling this year our comeback and it's your comeback as well. Like, what are you creating out of this? Because we proved to ourselves that we can do hard things. We can get through hard times, but what are you, what story do you want to be telling now and in the next year or two? So that's- So you're saying it's for everyone from the Midwest. (laughs) I'm just kidding. We can make that joke because we're both from the Green Bay area. We're we're, (laughs) we're Midwest born and raised, Mm -hmm. but there is a truth to that. Mm -hmm. Like, in the Midwest, you feel awkward if you've got massive dreams, you want to do great big things. Everyone's like, when are you going to settle down and have a family? Why are you have such a big dreamer? Why isn't this good enough? Yeah. It's a real thing mm-hmm. in different pockets of the country. Mm-hmm. And this event is for those types of individuals. They're like, am I an oddball or are there other people out there that would normalize my, my big dreaming, my big thinking? Yep. That's, it, it makes We always invent what we needed the most, don't we? It's isn't so that funny? Mm-hmm. So name a person and, and you don't have to literally name them, but share an example of someone who went to your event and how you've seen them thrive since. Oh my goodness. I can think of so many people, but I just had a call with her yesterday. So I'm going to use this example. Shout out to Jess Bargainquast. She's the founder of a company called Lady Changemakers. And it's funny because she's in my mastermind now for the last two years, she's been in my mastermind, but she told me, I didn't even know she was at Powerhouse Women 2019. And she said, I was so afraid to even come up to you and say hi. 
And now she's building this huge platform for women, a marketplace to basically create like the Amazon for women and show women that, yes, we can support one another. We can we can give women a platform and more visibility and give you a place where if you're like me and you want to support more women-owned businesses, you have a place like that. And every time I see her, she's physically, she looks like a different person. If you actually look at a picture of her from two years ago to who she is now, it she's visibly different because of the confidence that she's gained and the investments she's been making in herself. And she's one of those people, and this is just such a, like, this is my favorite thing about her. No matter how scared she is, she'll still put herself in the room. She'll figure it out. And that is the kind of woman that this is for. You just never know what what can happen when you take the risk and do the thing that scares you most. And for some of you, that might be just walking in a room like this. I'll tell you, you don't know I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to scholarship three tickets, right? So Lori and I will buy three tickets and, and we'll scholarship three women that want to get into your event. Um, and here's what they have to do. They're, we're going to pick them at random, but all they have to do is share this episode with why they want to come to your event. So take you on Instagram. And by the way, it's Lindsay Schwartz with two L's. Yeah. Otherwise, when you go to type Lindsay Schwartz in your fight, so it's LL Lindsay Schwartz. And um, at Crystal B. Herder, tag us with what your biggest takeaway was from this episode or why you want to attend this event badly. And we'll scholarship scholarship, easy for me to say, not scholarship. Different. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. <laughs> <laughs> we will scholarship three random women that do that, that want to go to this thing. Is that cool? Is that, that right? That is so insanely generous. And you you guys just show up. You're the friends and just the people, four people in your life. You just are the ones that show up and serve and you go first and you never ask for anything in return. And I'm just so grateful. Well, thank you for that. And for the rest of the women that know they want to go, they don't want to rely on luck sending them there. Where can they go get tickets? Yeah. So um, actually the easier account to tag is just powerhouse underscore women. That's easier Way to probably easier. spell. Okay. And, or, and or my personal account. But if you go to powerhouse women, um, our Instagram account, it's linked there. Otherwise it's just powerhousewomenevent.com. Powerhousewomenevent.com or at powerhouse underscore women on Instagram, right? Yep. All right, very cool. We'll make sure we put that in show notes as well. Last question for you. The show's motto is when good people make good money, they do great things. What is something great you've been able to do for individuals now that you've been so successful as you have? This is the first thing that comes to mind. So I'm going to say it because we we were just talking in the kitchen. Uh, the fact that because I said yes to this, to this whole vision mm-hmm. and it's grown to where it has that I got to make the, uh, the decision to invest in Light Pink. Investor number one. You Which I didn't know literally that. <laughs> the first person to show up running with their six-figure check, investor numero uno. How running. cool is that? Like, yeah. that is, are we still allowed to use the word tribe anymore? That is tribe in its finest. Mm-hmm. That is support in its finest. That's amazing. It's like to date the coolest feeling I've ever had. Like being able to, to see something fund another woman's dream and wink, wink, there's more of that coming for the brand for sure. Oh my God, I love that. Okay, so um, I have to take this opportunity to not, just thank you for being on the show. That'd be too small, but thank you for being such a badass friend to my wife and I, especially Lori. Thank you for going running with her every two days uh, a week. I was she not runs a runner. On the days that she does not want to go, but you and Elliot have been <laughs> such good friends, and I just want to thank you for that. Well, we love you both just as much. All right, guys. So listen, share this event, uh, share this episode, tag us why you want to go to the event. We will reward three of you with a free ticket to come to this event. But listen, if you can afford a ticket and you know you want to go, save that prize for somebody else who needs it. Just go to powerhouse women, powerhouse underscore women 
He, you pointed at me. I, I wasn't ready. Hold on. Or uh, what's the powerhousewomenevent.com? Powerhousewomenevents.com. Grab your ticket. Maybe grab one for a friend. That's how you can show up and bring the right people that you want sitting by your side at mm, this thing. Love that. We'll put all that in the show notes. Linz, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Thanks, dude. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.